is swag. If ain't swag, who is swag? If ain't swag, who is swag? If I ain't swag, swag. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. And hey, listen, if you're here, chances are you like talking about sport and we're glad you're doing it with us here tonight. Listen, only I could be crazy enough to try to remix (laughs) remix, uh, Coach Prime with Offspring, because why not, right? Listen, at the end of the day, had to bring that in, especially after the conversation I had earlier in the week with Matt Merchell's Orlando Sentinel talking a whole lot of college football. He had mentioned something about Colorado University departing the Pac-12 to return to the Big 12 and now hearing reports that it's 98% done. I don't know what that means exactly, but the punchline is this. I bring that up entirely based on the fact that there was a point made in that reference with the Colorado Buffalo to another team in Colorado. That's right. We are in the AFC West. The Broncos are among them too. And the thing that Colorado has to do more now than ever involving the Broncos is to avoid being bad. And if you're bad, just make sure you're not boring on top of it. But something I can guarantee you that isn't boring are the guests I have tonight talking about the NFC West. Of course, the aforementioned Broncos. What better way to cover them to then go further away from the West than Florida going all the way to Ireland? My dude, Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show, a true Broncos fan, is while his hair is a hint of orange, so too are the jerseys of the team of which he's a fan. We'll check him out later in the show as he checks in. And uh, in just a bit, we'll have Dave Buga Peters on, get more Chargers action too, and going to be helping me with the rest of the division, I do want to shout out, send a quick shout of prayers to uh, my guy, Brian Paul, recently dealt with a family tragedy. He was going to be here to talk about his Chiefs, but unfortunately will be un- un- uh, unavailable. And my dude, uh, Bugu Peters, is going to jump in and handle the rest of the division with me leading up to that final segment, of course, with Colm Cronin. However, you know, I, I want to touch a little bit on the running back conversation. And and I know that everybody's jumping into it. And there's a whole lot of this. I'm not making a full commitment to either side of the argument in any way, shape, form, or fashion. That's not where I'm at. And I'm planning on talking with somebody incredibly educated. If schedules work out, I will have the athletics Brandon Howard on to talk about that. He himself being a college running back and a guy who's uh, thoroughly sympathetic to the position, his stance See, I, I sound like a big corporate tool when I'm talking to Brandon Howard because of the way he advocates for players, but it should make for a great conversation um, like we've had in the past here with Brandon Howard. You know, he and I have, have chopped it up about Colin Kaepernick, about 
um, whether college athletes should be paid, all the big controversial stuff. I think the running back position is being is one of them too. Of course, that comes up with this division and all that's going on with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. And hey, listen, for all we know, by the time you listen to this podcast, be it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you sample your podcast, or if you happen to be watching this stream on the Huddle Up YouTube page or the Student of the Game Facebook page or A7BN Sports or even the SOTG Twitter or Twitch accounts, um, this news may be old sooner than later. We know Saquon Barkley just signed his uh, contract recently and all of that, but before I really get into the big conversation about what, what what's happening with the position, I do want to see what happens with Josh Jacobs so we can speak of it in better authority. However, I would caution people to talk about trying to mess with any sort of economic reparations, so to speak, through the NFLPA. Personally, I think this is something that's going to overall get players paid more base and have all 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 pro level guys the elite guys get paid more on incentives and i'm still working out that math but a little something to tease the conversation that we're going to have about the running backs and of course any excuse to play the uh the dion the coach prime dion sanders remix even though i know he's not in the swag anymore of course with the uh colorado buffalo it's always a good excuse to play the who is swag remix but enough with the remixes let's go ahead and get to something that's classic my dude booga peters has been covering the chargers for some time and he has been an authority the first time i met him we actually had a conversation about michael the burner turner that should tell you everything you need to know i'm stoked to talk to this dude about the afc west let me bring him in booga peters what's up my guy what's up buddy kyle thanks a lot for having me on i'm looking forward to it Hey man, listen. I I I I've been wanting to have you on the show more often, but I thought it would be kind of cruel after how that playoff game went there. Yeah. I was in for Jacksonville, but listen. At, at days in, I got to lead in with this. Your guy Justin Herbert getting the fatty fat stack. How do you feel that deal? Well deserved, worth every single penny. Five years, two hundred sixty-two and a half million dollars, two hundred eighteen point seven guaranteed. Uh, he is the future. He is the now. Uh, the Chargers are very fortunate. I mean, you look at a guy like Justin Herbert, me being a father, he's the type of guy you want your daughter to marry. He's <laughs> the kind of guy that you, when you see him out and about, whether it be at practice or if he gets cornered on the street, he just happens to be do and say exactly what you would hope he would do and say. He's strictly by the book. He's all ball. I mean, talk about no need to learn ball. Of course, he's adapting to a new offensive structure here with Kellen Moore being brought in as the offensive coordinator. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But oh, yes. he just he doesn't answer the questions wrong. He's just he's just clean cut. He has no off the field trouble, obviously. Um, and where he's at already throughout the first three years of his career. I mean, he's doing things that no other quarterback has ever done when it comes to yards, when it comes to touchdown passes, when it comes to completions. I mean, he's just he's writing his own story. And I'm excited to be a part of uh, the millions of people who are able to watch it and see how he progresses. Yeah, listen, I'm a Herbert guy and I know there are people who are are, are bo- both for and against. I, I'm not I, I'm not a guy that puts him in the top five yet. 
because sure. I really I want him to get that proper opportunity to really shine. And I mean, listen, he's still young. I, I did absolutely love that. Hey, kid, get out there and do battle in a shootout with Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second, and he saw success, buddy. That's a thing. I, I get it. And and, and I'll, I'll ask this, and, and and not to put a dark spin on on the extension. Listen, I love he got paid. I think it's a beautiful thing he got paid. We're talking about players not getting paid enough and all this stuff, and then we lean in. <laughs> With dude getting fat cash. But you see the situation where Herbert gets paid big, but Burrow on the other end has publicly said he's going to wait a little bit before getting in the deal. He's not in a hurry to get in a deal. Now, maybe it's just a, a, a negotiation tactic, if you will, but I can't help but notice that that this contract being such that it is, he's being asked to endure something long-term. Is this a deeper, darker message to uh, to uh, Coach uh, Coach Staley there to kind of step the game up? Because of the way you secure a quarterback past occurring regime change, you get him paid and contracted. What say you? Well, and you know the notice is out for Brandon Staley, the defensive guru, uh, play calling genius, if you will, that you know stems from the McVeigh tree. If you notice, we t- I talked just barely about the first three years of Justin's uh, tenure with the team. Right. The most points in the first three seasons of a quarterback. They've also allowed the most points in the first three seasons. Well, th- that doesn't scream defensive guru and genius to me. Um, this is Justin Herbert's team. Brandon Staley, he has to know that. Though he's the head coach, this team is only going to go as far as Justin Herbert can carry them. And, and to go back to go to the Burrow thing, you know, depending on what the Bengals want to do, I expected it to be uh, Herbert who signs first and then Burrow's contract is coming and it will most likely trump uh, Herbert's. But there are certain things within the contract that the Bengals, some of the verbiage and some of the, the guaranteed money that the Bengals may not be able to guarantee, whether that just be the, the, the exclusive cash that's offered up front or or throughout the duration of the contract that being said the fact of the matter is joe burrow has gotten it done in the playoffs and that's something and i'm not going to bring up the game that you already brought up but that's something that justin herbert has yet to show and i fully expect that to change this year but but burrow is going to get paid paid you saw the the herbert contract trump the aav of what lamar jackson was getting at 52 million per year uh, Justin's topping that off just above it at 52 and a half million. And, and, you know, to kind of circle back. Yeah. I think it does say to Brandon Staley, you know, all right, you've, you've got the guy um, you're in charge of the defense. Herbert's going to handle the offense in, in accordance with what Kellen Moore is calling and what they developed for the game plan throughout the week. But yeah, I mean, you know, the writing's on the wall for Brandon Staley. If he has a rough year, if the defense struggles again, especially early. Because, yeah, and, and listen, I'm glad I'm talking to a guy that's sharp enough to get these coaching changes. Because here's the thing on a regular basis, the, the man who is the head of Huddle Up Bink, the, the YouTube channel on which we're broadcasting right now, my guy, Big Jim Neese uh, of the Huddle Up podcast, of Three Count Thursday, and all that. The, 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 he is a huge Cowboys fan who, on one of his podcasts, may or may not have said that a particular coach a pair of particular coaches that resided over the Cowboys last year may or may not need a, some sort of a spacecraft to propel them into the sun. Um, 
Oh, <laughs> pausing for laughter. Yes. Yeah. No, thank you. Sorry. I, no, 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 no. Hey, see, listen, bro, you, your team's out in LA. I'm expecting theatrics. It's okay. But the punchline is this, man. Yeah. It, it, Kellen Moore being one of those guys, but yet another part of the camp, and in particular to that show, my guy EJ Christian of the Earnestly Speaking podcast himself bing, has said, not exactly propelling people into uh, celestial bodies per se, but has been very critical of of, of Brandon Staley, such that he is, uh, a co- and, and, and such history as he's had as a coach in arguably air quotes, wasting Justin Herbert. With these two bodies in play, either one of them's got to be wrong or something's got to be different theoretically. So uh, do you see the mind melt there with, with something's got to give, if there is something to give, I have to think it's Staley at this point, right? Well, absolutely. And I mean, you kind of look at it as though you have the de facto next head coach in waiting. Thank you for answering the next question. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I didn't mean to get ahead of things, but but bringing in Kellen Moore was – was it was kind of an, a double-edged sword as far as Brandon Staley is concerned because they're, the Chargers on paper, here we go again, you know, they have a phenomenal roster. They've got players. Should they stay healthy, this should be a very successful campaign for the Chargers. That being said, you know, they've struggled to stop people. Their run defense is absolutely horrendous. Even though this is a passing league, if you can't stop the run when it counts – you're going to fall behind in a lot of ball games. And yeah, when it comes to the two celestial bodies that are the head coach and the newly paid $262.5 million quarterback, yeah, something's got to give. And and it would seem that in in the case that we're talking about here is Brandon Staley's got to put up or shut up. No more talking. No, I don't care about what coaching tree he's from. You've got the tools. You've got all the assets, so to speak. Now it's a matter of putting them in the best positions to succeed. The Chargers are out of excuses in my mind. I've been a fan since I was born of these guys. And that the, the health thing and the injury bug, you know, that seemed to have always been there. I will say this that will, will maybe bite a lot of fans in the ass is that there's no more saying that the Spanos family is cheap. They just shelled out all the money. They made Joey the highest paid edge at the time his contract was signed. They made Derwin the highest paid safety. And right now, Justin Herbert is the highest paid quarterback. That ship has sailed. They're in Los Angeles. Spanos somehow uh, realizes in his mind, this is, this is again, back to the put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. We're, in the, we're in Los Angeles, the city of angels. We need excitement. We need action. We need it all the time. You can't just win in L.A. You got to win in electrifying fashion, and there's not a better team to do it than the Chargers, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think my guy of Sutoba Media jumping aboard here, Drew Willingham, kind of agrees. That's a lot of money for the Chargers QB, who still hasn't made the playoff run. But I would argue that Justin Herbert is not the problem there, much as you alluded. I do see a scenario, how, however, where both – uh, celestial bodies somehow remained intact and I would make a joke about gravitational pull but listen I got up at 5 a.m. this morning drove to Jacksville and went to Jaguars camp to talk to Trevor Lawrence who is just as mild-mannered as awesome as the guy Justin Herbert you mentioned I had to throw in that there just really quickly too so I can do my whole bing for A7B in sports in the three <laughs> version but hey, kudos to you brother that's awesome by the way it's kind of hilarious to see the NFL 100 and how amazing that is and they've got Trevor Lawrence 96 
And I like Justin Fields, but they've got him at 86. Are, are children putting these lists together? Are we drawing names out of hats? But anyway, uh, I have a lot of respect for Trevor Lawrence. Well, and then we'll talk about this more. I'm sure Travis Holmes will have plenty to say on August 30th. Big Cat Country's guy is going to come in and talk there. Bing! But the the whole thing is there. You get, you're helping me get everybody in tonight, Bogus. What's up? Hey, let's do it, man. Let's cover it all. But, um, uh, you know, I, I like that you allude to that fact that everybody seems to forget that Urban Meyer was a thing two years ago, and they keep wow. holding that record against Trevor Lawrence. But with that in mind, I think too many people are going to hold Dak Prescott against Kellen Moore. And the reason why I think that's the biggest issue is the different situation. See how I transitioned that? That Los Angeles no as compared to Dallas. I think they're in a position where their defense, listen, Dallas should have been a run first team entirely. And I'm not here to disrespect one Dakota Prescott. Um, he had he was dealing with injury again. Riptide Rush came in. Cooper won some games, did some things, and you know, people tried to hype up. You like Riptide Rush? I, I can't take credit for that one. But. No, I like it. I like it. Uh, oh boy, Jim's gonna be pissed. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um he comes in, he does that, and then I think the lack of handing the ball off to Pollard was what invariably kind of threw them off. Listening, having witnessed the Jags beat the Cowboys personally in that overtime because of over-reliance on the pass is a thing. And I know you guys got Austin Eckler, but I also know he's a much better receiver than anybody that was in the Cowboys' backfield. And I know that more than likely Eckler won't ever get lined up at center. <clears throat> but... <laughs> but the first thing that everybody had to whine about is like, well, as long as they don't have Eckler... Or Joshua Kelly snapping the ball. Like, come on. It was one play. It was terrible. I get it. I'm not really into the gimmick plays. I'll, I'll, a little bit jet, uh, jet sweep. Uh, maybe a little end around pass every now and then. But I'm more, let, let's get it done. Let's play to our strengths. And I love the whole Mike McCarthy saying, you know, well, Kellen Moore was too focused on scoring points. What the hell else did you want him to focus on? The last time I checked, the team with more points at the end of the game wins. I That whole, that relationship i bet was just fascinating to cover i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in those cowboys rooms and and those post game shows and all that stuff just to really see what was going on there you got mike mccarthy now who's going to call the plays it'll be interesting to see what dak does i'm actually a lot higher on dak than a lot of people are dak gets a lot of flat for this and that he's one of the most cerebral quarterbacks in the nfl and he can make most of the throws uh regardless of who's on the other side of the ball on defense but uh, as far as comparing how the offense will be for the Chargers to what it was in Dallas, you know, Eckler is a phenomenal receiving threat, you know, capable of 100 uh, receptions he's going to get. I don't expect him to be there again this year. Um, I don't expect him to ever hit that benchmark again. If he does, it means the wide receiver room's banged up again. But I expect there to be a, a just as much scoring, and let's see that defense try to hold up a little better than they have in the past. Yeah, and 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 I'll say this: um, Jordan Addison's arrival certainly adds to that passing concept. I think the the long of the short is, and you enunciated it beautifully. I really think the Charger offense is certainly a lot more pass oriented right now in their roster than the Cowboys are. And no disrespect to Ceedee Lamb, but I think the depth. Um, listen, I need my scuba certification to get through all the receivers on the Chargers roster. The Cowboys just ain't got that. And oh, by the way. Um, they just shipped the guy Amari Cooper over to 
uh, the Browns. So yeah, it's a different scenario. I think, I think there's a chance for Cullen Moore to be successful, and then Jim will have to deal with Mike McCarthy getting fired into the sun. Anyways, um, <laughs> Jerry so. Jones will buy him his ticket on that flight to the sun. By the way, hey, uh, I, don't, I don't see too much more patience there. But let's not get too cowboy oriented here. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk. We we talk about a different group that says less ride or whatever. We'll get to that later with Colin oh, at the end of the show. Uh, but um, with that in mind, I, I know that um, the Chargers draft overall. I know we talked about the lead with Jordan Addison. They did make some defensive acquisitions. Quentin, jo- Quentin Johnson actually was the guy that they picked up out of TCU. Addison oh, I, Adam, with the Vikings. Excuse me, that's the Vikings. Cool, they, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what. It's because I read the headline about the speeding car thing about being the dog and was having John Wick jokes in my head before the show. Literally a thing that happened, not just me making it up a joke on the fly. But yeah, I, I blame ESPN. Who doesn't everybody? Anyways, no, thank you for that. Um, yeah, Quentin Johnston, um, who actually I believe was picked up by the Chargers in the student game real mock draft, which I hope you're involved in this coming season. We can get you freed up for that. Um but I, anyways, I loved him getting picked up where he was. It showed the commitment to Herbert, not quite as much as a fat stack of cash does, but you get the concept. Um, I know they made some pickups defensively. Do you think that was enough to shore things up? Because listen, you got a defense that's not doing their job, and you have a guy named Bosa in there, and still, because listen, as a guy who's a fan of another team that has a guy named Bosa in it, I'm just seeing the possibilities. Yeah, I know Fred Warner's a thing too, but still. Do you think they bolstered the defense up enough to kind of correct some of the mis- uh, mishaps there that you were citing earlier? Well, honestly, I'm really glad you brought up Fred Warner's name because you've got a guy in Eric Kendricks who was brought over from the Vikings. Maybe that's why we got twisted in the sauce there. No, we'll um, <laughs> I, I think I think that should the defense stay healthy, you look out for J.C. Jackson, who actually was a, a – He's not ready to be game ready. Excuse me. He's not game ready, according uh, to head coach Brandon Staley. But should he be healthy? The secondary is just ridiculous. Led by Derwin James is going to line up all over the field. Love that guy. The the addition of uh, everybody, and they should. Everybody loves him and everybody should. That I still remember him hitting uh, Travis Kelsey in that Thursday night game with that DDT, picking him up and (laughs) dropping him on his noggin, but the addition of Eric Kendricks, I think is going to be, it's a little bit underrated and has been so far. This is a guy, I know it's a few years ago, but he's an all pro linebacker, his ability to read and react. He was a second and a half faster than the former guy who uh, drew tranquil, the linebacker whose place he's, he's taken and uh, in, in diagnosing and stopping the run a second and a half sounds like nothing, but in the NFL, when it comes to diagnosing, Stopping the run, reading the play, you, you can't, it's hard That's to teach that. That's you develop, it, it is a lifetime, and it's something that you have to develop through experience. And in the case of Eric Kendricks, it's not just that he's great at stopping the run, he's a good coverage player too for a linebacker. He provides a leadership role, he'll wear the green dot for the team. When you have that kind of thing, and you mentioned Joey Bosa, and maybe on the other side, that guy Khalil Mack, whom everyone forgets about who probably would have played or definitely would have played a lot better had he had a healthy Joey Bosa, who, you know, missed 10 games of the year and then came back and had his tantrum uh, in that one game we're not going to talk about too much. I but- don't blame him for being ticked off. I'll be honest. I mean, but that being said, it wasn't like the refs didn't give a few to them, too, in the first half. I'm just going to throw that out. 
<laughs> hey man, I'll just I'll just say that the final score showed what happened that, to that game. The team that was supposed to win and deserved to win won that game. Unfortunately, you know, twenty-seven point lead over Jacksonville is not enough. Uh, here in this era of football that we're in, it didn't matter how many interceptions Asante Samuel Jr. had in this in the first half. It didn't matter what the team did in the first half and the points they put up because in the second half, they just, uh, well, I got a lot of ways to describe that, but I'll keep it clean for all of our viewers out there that are we'll listening. We'll just say right womp, womp, yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. womp, womp. I <laughs> yeah. stopped, okay, here's what I will say about that game is I've got my kids, we've got some of the neighbors over, and my, my girlfriend, Miss Booga, as we refer to her, she is, she's just getting into it. Um, and I turned the game off at halftime for a minute, and I, I put the remote down. And I said, guys, I just want to teach you something about this. What you're about to learn is no matter how certain something seems, it can always flip to the other side of the spectrum. It doesn't matter how great things are. It can always flip to the other side and be all bad. And the same thing can be said you know, for when it's bad, it can go to good. This too shall pass. Is it just about bad things? It's about, hey, things are great. This too shall pass. Mm. Story of two halves there. We turn the game back on. Everybody knows what happened. And my kids, I've never seen, my kids take after their daddy. They're not silent very often. And <laughs> no, nobody had anything to say. I, you know, I, I tend to get a little worked up over these here chargers. And uh, everybody left me alone for about four days. So, uh, yeah, that game's left a mark on us. And my kids literally, no matter what's going on in life, do realize and understand no matter how great it is, it can be taken away from you. Take it seriously, put in the work, and hopefully you'll get the desired outcome. So, and, and, and I love the picture you painted. So, but so, so the audience at large could get the other side too. I covered the, the playoff game in question with my guy, Travis Holmes, who is a lifelong Jaguars fan. And if you can imagine... Um, he's, he's a former college athlete, um, went to UCF who I cover for the black and gold banner ad. Bing! Um, Bing! <laughs> um, if you remember Joe Burnett, when Travis got hurt, Joe Burnett took his job. Um, so, and he says like, I'm not mad about it. I got to play with Brandon Marshall, Joe Burnett, and a lot of great players. It's a good thing. Um, but I say all that to, if you could imagine a guy who's the size of a corner, um, who's in relatively good shape for a guy our age as a former athlete um, and a black man sounding like Owen Wilson throughout the hours of the night after that game going, wow. Wow, that's really good. That was that's a little too good. I mean, what can I say except you're welcome? I need to get Maui here on my soundboard. That'd be awesome. Anyways, um, so that's that's kind of the antithesis to what went on in your household, I'm sure, and I he might have partied with his kids for four days. I don't know. Um, yeah. And and lastly, of course, just because you're the Charger rep, I'm going to prop the schedule of year here. Another triumph. I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're not feeling the schedule review? No, 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 no. I'm always looking forward to the schedule review. I'll just say the AFC West, you know, the Chargers, especially, not especially, but included, you know, they've got really tough sledding this year. You know, not there aren't there aren't a lot of those that you just automatically feel comfortable with, and it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see this season play out. The AFC West, it it'll be fun. You know, it looks like it'll be uh, the Chiefs doing their thing, the Chargers trying to compete. Uh, Sean Payton and the Broncos, very interesting. And then, uh, well, then there's the Raiders. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of it too. We'll get into the Raiders here shortly, but. 
I do want to make sure that I don't let you off the hook for the tough part here. My dude, I know you got your charger gear on talking to me tonight. It's time to ask the big question. What do you, I love it. What do you got for the Chargers record this year, my man? You know, I, I, I would love to be one of those guys or fans or analysts that could would be willing to put their favorite team as a 14-3 and three team, 13-4 and four team. Um, talking about that schedule with as tough as it is, adjusting to Kellen Moore's offense, um, I see the Chargers going 10-7 and seven this year, making the playoffs. But there are just so many tough games, and I will say they – if they really want to make some noise, they at least need to split with the Chiefs in the regular season. Remind them that, hey, we're still hanging around. And over the last five years, the Chargers haven't really lost by more than a field goal. So, I mean, they've been there. They're hanging around, but the hanging around crap is old, and it's for the birds. Let, let's get in there and, and make a name for this team and truly prove, you know, they're not just someone to reckon with in the AFC West, but in the NFL as a whole. Ten and seven, a solid ten and seven with some rough games, but they're going to win the games they're supposed to win, whichever one of those those are. Uh, when you look at the schedule, and, and I mean not to talk trash, but I mean this goes back even as far as Young Way Koo before he was the first player to score oh, wow. in the uh, in the American uh, Alliance of American Football with the Atlanta. It wasn't Thrashers, but the Atlanta franchise. The punchlines list. I can't. I don't know their name either. <laughs> Listen, I covered the Apollos, man. I was enamored by covering Steve Sperrier every week. It was an awesome time here in Florida. Oh but um, I can only imagine. I'll give you this much credit. You are humble with 10 and 7. I'm giving you 11 and 6. And to me, the tough game that really, I, I do have them splitting the Chiefs. We'll explain why when we get to the Chief covers, coverage later in the show. I have them 4 and 2 in the AFC West. And I have them. I have them struggling against the AFC East, mostly because that's a proper tough division, and you're playing the Dolphins early enough in the year where I think uh, Tua Tagovailoa will still be on the field with that offense. And I, why is that funny? I, I didn't make a Kevin Durant joke. What are we doing here? Anyway, <laughs> um, sorry, this is a football podcast tonight. We're not doing NBA right now. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but. Um, it's that it's those defensive struggles you mentioned, and if one you got to say one thing about the AFC East that's not the Patriots' high-powered offense is a thing. Um, with the NFC North, I have you going three and one there. I'm sorry, the only team I think that might compete with you is Man Campbell and Company. I think your defense up front's going to be enough to crush my dude Kirk Cousins. Uh, with no disrespect, the quarterback series is great, by the way. You sound like you had a weigh in on that. You you, you may. So you're, you're, you're with that. Well, honestly, I, I pay, I don't pay more attention to the NFC North. Obviously I'm an AFC West guy all the way, but sure. being that I am here in Waterford, Michigan, you know, I, I keep up with, with all the, the Joneses there in Detroit and man Campbell and what they've got going on. That game will be tough. And I'll tell you right now, it's, it'll say a lot about both teams. Oh, yeah. um, I really love what Detroit's doing, and I think Lions fans have a ton to be excited about. If they haven't jumped on the bandwagon yet, you're going to be too late. I hop on while the getting's good. The Lions are no longer the Lions, if you will. I think they're they're a team that will definitely cause a lot of problems for any team in the NFL, including the Chargers. I do like the Chargers to go possibly 4-0 against the NFC North, if I'm being completely honest. And I'm not going to mentioned is tough that, yeah. is, that like you said it is hard-nosed football there 
the addition of Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, Miami, it, again, because it's week one when the Chargers play, uh, Tua should be able to, to make it at least to that game. We'll see how he holds up throughout the contest. Uh, healthy Joey Bosa, healthy Khalil Mack. The second-round pick, Tuli Tui Pelotu out of USC. He's a guy who's going to see time, and I think he's going to see time early as a rotational rusher and, mm-hmm. and spelling both Bosa and Mack. Look out for that Chargers secondary. No, a guy whom I have been incredibly hard on his entire career, Michael Davis. I will say this for Michael Davis, the cornerback there. The best thing that ever happened to him was being fourth string on the depth chart last season going into the 22 campaign because a different player emerged from that. In that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, once he left the game, it was just different. The defense couldn't stop anything. Uh, it, it was it was pathetic, but but with the high powered offenses that you're gonna see in the AFC East, all oh, those one guys in Buffalo, they're pretty good. That Josh Allen character, uh, I'm sure he's keeping track of what's going on as far as quarterback numbers go. But um, the AFC East will definitely, I see the Chargers splitting that. However, that falls, you know, Belichick can coach against anybody. We'll see what happens as far as what he's gonna do defensively. The Chargers with Justin Herbert at the helm have a 45 to nothing game uh, against Bill Belichick a couple of years ago. So let's hope they don't repeat that. But that schedule, like you said, for the Chargers is tough, especially against AFC East. Well, and then the bonus games as well here, too. You have the Ravens, Cowboys, and Titans. Listen, the only reason I'm so sure the Titans are a victory is, A, again, early in the schedule, and B, I don't care if it's Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, Malik Willis, what you're talking about, Willis, whoever it is, somebody's going to get intimidated to hell and back. And I don't care who you have at receiver, be it Burks or Hopkins, you got to have a dude to get you the damn ball. Derrick Henry will be, Obi-Wan will be your only hope as Derrick Henry. And we will we'll be sure by then that he won't be slowed because I believe he's aging. That'll be a whole issue. We'll get to that on August 30th, I'm sure. But um, I, I have the Titans as a victory for you. The Ravens was a toss up for me. I have. The Chargers winning just because they can score quicker. And the Cowboys game was interesting. It's a matter of who I think is more pissed in the coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I, that game could decide whether you're correct with 10 or I'm correct with 11 at the end of the day. So we've spent a good amount of time on the Chargers, as I should do when I have one booger. Blah, booga Peters. I've taught. See, you know what? Here's what it I, is. It's cool, man. No, no. I get frustrated by Booger McFarland all the time, so he's on my mind of things that frustrate me. I, so that's why that happened. It's not what you're thinking. We have kids, though. I, I get it. But Booger Peters here, listen, we're going to talk Chargers. We're going to spend some time on Chargers. We talked about everybody here, but let's do a little bit more comedy. And by that, I mean Josh McDaniels as the Raiders head coach. Now, you noticed I hit the S really hard there, Booga. At the end of the day, it's so no one gets confused with McDaniel versus McDaniels. One coach good, one coach bad. Maybe I'm biased because of my Niners attachment. I don't know. But at the end of the day, uh, my Niners attachment still doesn't have me be- believing in Jimmy Garoppolo when you're damn near failing the physical to open the season. Let me go with this. The Raiders, the knock before Derek Carr departed and became the best quarterback in the NFC South, as I talked about with my dude Jeff Barnes last week on the podcast. Bing! Um, the their defense has improved. I loved what they did up front there too. They're they're augmenting Max Crosby. I feel like they got that part right. They have Devontae Adams, but the drama with Josh Jacobs 
what what piece of dysfunction is the biggest problem for the Raiders? I'll ask that question first. <laughs> well, on, honestly, you touched on both of them. The Garoppolo signing, it, it made no sense to me. Like, I get it, bridge quarterback, blah, blah, blah. You got to have somebody to take snaps. But far bigger issue is the Josh Jacobs thing. You don't just replace the leading rusher from the – the year before with a, with a platoon of backs and, and Jacobs is a special running back, quite frankly, and, you know, hard nosed runner and he can go, there's no lack of speed there. He didn't time out real fast in the 40, but he can go, he's going to force missed tackles. He's not a, a phenomenal receiving threat, like an Eckler out of the backfield, but he can still get that done. But, but just, I don't know what is going on in, in Vegas. They're, they're, they're the good old Raiders and, Josh McDaniels is much of a genius play caller as he was when he was in, in the New England uh, Patriots organization. I just, it's hard to see what they get going. He's, he's fortunate to have Devontae Adams on the outside, probably the top two or three best route runners in the entire league and maybe top 10 to 12 of all time, honestly, at the way that guy can chop up. Uh, Pretty awesome. get his release is phenomenal. Um, you touched on Max Crosby, you know, other than maybe Nick Bosa, um, Max Crosby is probably the best pass rusher in the NFL, other than Nick Bosa, in my opinion, um, which I'm sure you're not shy about your accolades given to that character. But um, not at all. Not at all. I, I liked what they did in Britain. I, I, I didn't like it as a Chargers fan, but from a football standpoint, getting Tyree Wilson was a phenomenal pickup for the opposite side uh, of Max Crosby. They're going to have some pass rush there, obviously. I just I I don't know what they're doing. They brought in Jacoby Myers, um, who 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 could make some plays if you're doubling up Devontae on the other side. But Devontae can chew up double coverage anyway. He makes dudes look silly sometimes more than one at a time. But that being said, I think I think the Raiders are are content with uh keeping an eye on what's going on at USC this year and maybe not I'm not saying they're they're trying to fall asleep and in tank games, but I think they may be keeping an eye on Caleb Williams uh, as far as a possibility for the future under center. Jimmy Garoppolo is just a mess. And like you said, you know, we, we didn't know if he passed the physical or if, if he could, if he was healthy, if he's going to play regardless, if he plays, you know, he'll be, he'll be a good game manager like he has been, but he's not getting any younger. And I, you know, there's not a lot of juice in that cannon. So we'll have to see what happens, but if I were them, I would have held on to Jarrett Stidham, who's over with your boy Collins squad uh, right. in Denver there with the Broncos. But, you know, the, the the Raiders are the Raiders, and I think that they're just kind of going to float through this season and hope they end up with the first pick. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know how Cullen feels about Jarrett Stidham. That, that part of the conversation didn't really come up, but you got to love the dang Patriots retread with Brian Hoyer being one of the damn backups. Oh, That's God. too much. Honestly, I spaced the Hoyer thing. Like, what do you get? Okay, so Garoppolo doesn't play. You're putting in Hoyer to go out there and win your games? Yeah, you it seems like, like a recipe for 3-14 and 14 to me. <laughs> and, hey, listen, the only reason why I'm mad at you talking about Caleb Williams, the guy who I predicted this time last year would win the Heisman, thank you very much, um, it's because I wanted to make the joke, damn it. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. I with you. I think he stays out there. I have every reason to believe he would look good in black and silver, unless somehow they trade the pick. I don't want to even talk about any of that. Um, I, I, I don't know. Listen, the, the the saying goes that the best 
The best trick the devil devil ever pulled off was getting people to believe he didn't exist. The best trick that Bill Belichick ever pulled off was getting people to believe that Josh McDaniels was a good head coach. I'm just saying, nobody learned after he drafted Tebow. I mean, come on, guys. Anyways, uh, (laughs) I got nothing else there, too, man. Um, But, yeah, and, and listen, while we're here, I don't know. I mentioned the quarterback series on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But all I can say is Mahomes versus Crosby is a beautiful thing to watch early on in the oh, series. Man. I don't want to spoil so it. So fun. But bro, I never got that much respect for a quarterback as a as a, just a badass dude in my life. When Peyton ran up and talked trash on people later in his career, it was a Bronco. I liked it, but it was dorky. Then here comes yeah, Matt yeah. Mahomes up in this beast. That was crazy. Anyway. Yeah. It- Without spoiling it, it's so much fun, the back and forth. He doesn't just put up numbers. He's got a lot of style and flair along the way, man. That I suggest everybody check out that quarterback series on Netflix, and I believe they just signed to a second season of that as well. So it'll be kind of interesting to see which quarterbacks they bring in for that one now. Yeah, the unfortunate – I've seen a lot of no's already. Like, what is it? Um, uh, Jalen Hurts said no. Stafford said no. Um, Sam Howell said no. Um, there's somebody else in there who said no already too. So he's confirmed. Sam yeah, Howell said no. Yeah, you know, I, I I mean, if I don't know why you would go there unless you were trying to forecast Eric Bieniemy as a head coach, but I've talked about that plenty on the inner out sports debate show. But I digress. Bing. Um, no, the drink was for effect there. I wasn't actually going to sip. But um, listen, we've 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 ragged on the Raiders enough. We both obviously have a horrible outlook. To what degree of awful do you expect the Raiders to turn out, my friend? I give them five and 12, win a couple games they shouldn't. Um, and it's hard to give them five wins. Again, that AFC West, the schedule they're all facing is, is incredibly tough this year. I don't like them beating anybody in the AFC East, including the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick will scheme his way out of that game and get a W for New England. But uh, give them five and 12 and find a way to just squeak themselves out of that first pick and really just mess up the whole thing going forward. I hear all of that, except for one concept. I have four and 13. My pessimism runs even deeper than yours. Um, I think they split one game, probably with Broncos country. Um, I got 0-4 in the AFC East as well. I have 1-3 simply because I don't love what they're doing with Jordan with the Packers. And when Max Crosby and Khalil Mack get together again, nom, 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 nom. Um, um, that's, that's my dramatic reading of it. I thought you might like that. Kenny Pickett and company for the Steelers, I think, beat them. The Giants, with or without Saquon, I think can beat them, but you never know with dimes. And I think AR-15 versus Crosby and Malak, uh, Malik is a problem. I was trying to say... Khalil Mack <laughs> saying his names at the same time. That's what it sounds like, in case anyone ever wondered. <laughs> I am whiffing a lot tonight. What's up, Booga? Good God. At least I'm fun. Anyways. Um, Absolutely. I see, <laughs> I see the Colts losing to him as well. Um, uh, just on the strength of their defensive front, and say what you will about Jimmy Grops, um, I've, I've defended him a lot, but the one thing that's come to pass is you can't help the club in the tub. Um, and I still think Brian Hoyer is going to be enough to beat him if Josh Jakes, Jacobs is back, but they play the Colts late enough to where I think they'll have him by then. At least we'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, 4-13 and 13 for the Raiders for me, which will bring me to your arch nemesis at current 
the no. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, let me lead with this. Uh, there, there are two common things talked about um, with this team currently, with all the success they've had. And I'm not mad at it, especially, you know, even despite me being a dude that follows a team that boasts Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, I ask this question. Goat competition conversations for one Andy Reid and Patrick LeVon Mahomes II. How do you feel about that? That's a, that's a thing that should be happening, right? Well, I mean, you're you're noticing in a lot of the off-season articles that are being spewed about the NFL, you know, Andy Reid is now being ranked as the top the top coach. You don't see Belichick thrown up there in that and on that pedestal anymore. Um, the combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes makes me sick. It's absolutely a thing to watch. Um, I, there's no slowing him down at this point. He just gets more and more creative, and you see the fire and talking about how he would react to Max Crosby and Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. The guy, I mean, in, in five years, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes probably having at least one more Super Bowl, backing up 5,000 more yards five more times, and he's going to start setting these the, the, the passing numbers into a stratosphere then you're not going to see a lot of guys match. And he's shown that after losing Tyree Kill, the offense put up more yards. I'm like, what? You don't do that. Tyree Kill is a top 10, top seven receiver in the NFL. And you lose him. And so what does Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid go out and do? Like, well, we are going to put up uh, more points per game and have more yards. Like, what? It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But that's what they do. And yeah, you know, you see the GOAT conversation about both individually Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And then, of course, Mahomes being compared to Brady. Give it time. So let's say Patrick Mahomes went out and stunk for the next seven years. Not going to happen. But the number of Super Bowls and the resume he will have put together is going to put him up there in the. Most likely not going to have, you know, this big slump and just start crap in the bed for the next four seasons. Yeah. And Andy Reid is going to be coaching football until he doesn't want to anymore because he's one of the most innovative play callers there are and what he develops and the way that he uses his talent. It's just, it's on a different level than most of the offensive play callers that I've ever seen in the NFL. So sure. Yeah. I think we're starting to get to that point. Right. And, and, and for me, I, and I talked about this the other night uh, or, or, or I should say I pre-recorded this and you'll hear about it here soon with, uh, the Huddle Up podcast, um, the way I'll kind of tease that is the only reason I, I'm not comfortable really if I'm building a Mount Rushmore, the top spot will get, still go to Bill Walsh right now because the other guy's careers aren't done. And it's a thing for me. It was even, listen, as much of a jig, big J.J. Watt uh, stan as I was, I mean, listen, I'm a guy that covers the Jags and I got a Houston jersey here. I'm a 49ers fan and I own a Cardinals jersey, Booga Peters. What does that tell you? That's a, this guy gets it. So I, <laughs> oh, that's that's a heavy. That's heavy. Listen, ever since the day he picked off picked off the red rifle uh in a playoff game as a rookie and took it to the house, I fell in love, bro. That's all I could say. Um watching but- him catch touchdown passes is what got me. When they were lining JJ JJ Watt up and he's going out there and scoring touchdowns as a tight end, that's what got me and I started to fall in love with the guy. That he's phenomenal off the field and, and all the charity work that he did in Houston and in Arizona. Um, JJ Watt's just one of those cats that 
If you can't appreciate J.J. Watt, then you really need to reassess the way that you're looking at football. Get a hold of your life is what Booga Peters is saying. <laughs> Absolutely, damn it. <laughs> no, I like it, dude. And, and by the way, as a side note, I'm going to shout this out to my guy Demos on Hilarity by Default. We did we did a little mini series called the Sports Symposium. One of my case studies was about the MVP for that particular year. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'll send it to you personally. But if you go to the Hilarity by Default YouTube channel and look for the Sports Symposium playlist, you'll see that it's the first episode. It's called What Makes an MVP. I made the introduction for the series itself and have a very interesting point that also happens to entangle my dude, J.J. Watt. We'll talk about that in that video if you check that out. So, But I'll send it beautiful to you. Beautiful setup. That was beautiful, by the way. Well, Hey, man, listen, all I did was spike the ball. You're the one that had to have the position or the yeah, the position <laughs> and the precision in place there. But uh, I say all of the above to to say um, the other two are going to fight it out. But I think something that a lot of people forget about was the absolute dumpster fire that was the Cleveland Browns on Belichick's watch. So that's something I think that really needs to get considered if you have the GOAT conversation. If you're going to have the GOAT conversation at quarterback, Brady gets a lot of love for team achievement, and yet Patrick LeVon Mahomes II, if I ask you to give something, in, uh, give me a quarterback that could perform in the clutch, both guys can do it. And actually, technically speaking, at one game in particular in the postseason, Patrick LeVon Mahomes II did it better, and then D. Ford lined up offsides. Whole other question! Uh, <laughs> oh, but man, I can get list off all these things. Both guys can do it. And then I'll say, okay, both y'all run. We all know who's going to win that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I can be... I can beat Brady in a foot race, and that you know, I, I'm my shape that I'm in is round. So, yeah, I, hey man, I, no judge. This is a judgment-free zone, Booga. But punchline being, yeah, listen, I always liked Montana a little more because he was a more complete quarterback. And listen, if 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 Joe got hit, nobody was rewriting the rule book. <clears throat> but um, that's right. I threw some shade, you know. Uh, but it, 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 we're under the palm trees for sure. That's right. I got palm trees here in Florida. It's cool. Um, so I say all of the above to say, yeah, I think the conversation is completely proper to be had. Um, however, let's turn this to a darker direction for all the chief fans that have respected you stepping across the line and standing, albeit in sickening as it may be for you. Um, here's the thing that worries me about the upcoming chief season. Travis Michael Kelsey um, and yes, for those who are wondering, he gets middle name treatment as approved by the Huddle Up podcast committee this past offseason. Travis Michael Kelsey um, is, I believe, 33 currently, turning 34. I don't know when exactly. The point is he's the oldest significant catcher of passes in the league currently. The chances of him making it through another season healthy I'm not going to say they're about as good as LeBron James at 39 or Kevin Durant at any age in the NBA, but I'm worried about it at this point. Um, just because, you know, getting getting suplexed by Derwin James, you know, that that's not an easy thing to endure. And listen, I was a Minka Fitzpatrick guy, but I wasn't mad at people who liked Derwin James, and I was in the Dolphins' wire at the time. My mind might have been warped because of it. I'm just throwing it out there. But, <laughs> but, um, but with all that in mind, do I mean it's it's 
I will never have the audacity to outright question a Kelsey brother. However, there was a point in time I never had the audacity to question Mike Tomlin, and yet I did with Kenny Pickett, and here we are with them missing the playoffs, and if he had listened to me, I think they would have made him. I'm just throwing it out there. Do we have a similar scenario here? Is Travis Michael Kelsey going to play the full season? I'm not confident. What say you? You know, I, what I'm not willing to guarantee is he plays all 17 games. That being said, we're, we're coming off of seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Something has never been done by a tight end ever. You know, Jerry Rice had the most at 11. You know, he's only four four seasons behind. Um, and I don't know if you pay how much attention you pay to those Kelsey brothers. I love their podcast. Oh, and when great. you when you watch those guys, I, I I really think that's something that he wants to shoot for. I'm not saying he's going to stack up four more 1,000 yard seasons consecutively, but that being said, until his wheels fall off. He's just too good. He's a nifty route runner. You know, he, he's not a great inline blocker, but he could do enough to, to not necessarily give away what the play is going to be. Obviously, he plays, you know, the majority of the snaps on offense, regardless of run or pass. Sure. But until he says or until he shows me that, you know, that I'm not healthy and I'm not playing games, I expect another 1,300 yards receiving, which last year, the next closest tight end had like 750. Like he's almost doubling these guys up. He had thirteen hundred Kittle, Buka, why you gotta do that? Why you gotta bring my team into hey, it? Seven hundred. I love George Kittle, man. That is a football player. That's my kind of guy. And since you talk about the Niners so much, that was my mom and my sister's team. My mom, my mom, may she rest in peace. So I've always kind of followed the 49ers. George Kittle is just an absolute inhuman beast when he's on the football field, and he's laughing when he's doing these cruel things to to defenders. He's the best blocking tight end in football, uh, arguably overall the best tight end in football. Sorry, Travis Kelsey. But I think I think this stuff is is being overblown, worrying about, you know, Travis Kelsey's health. Yeah, he's getting older and, and this and that, but he's got, I don't know, one of the best signal, call, signal callers of all time lying up behind center and getting him the ball until you he shows me that he can't play or that he's not putting up numbers, my money's always going to be on Travis Michael Kelsey if I want to fall in line and do that the right way. I I, I have no reason to doubt the guy, and until he misses, you know, half a season and then does it again, you know, my money's going to be on him for any time touchdowns, that's for sure. Well, and, and you know, I feel, I feel ill-prepared, you know, over and above me screwing up and calling Quentin Johnston Jordan Addison earlier. Stop it. Um, so it's, I, I got to make fun of me. This is what I do. But the part part I'm getting at, too, is you are throwing all this advocacy, and, and I feel ill-prepared in this show, not having learned Antonio Gates' middle name yet, um, because this is, like, that's... I think, I think Kelsey is shooting to pass Antonio Gates in prowess, and I don't know what number that that requires. I, I mean, I don't know if, if, cause no amount of Super Bowls is going to make a tight end instantly brave enough to say I'm better than Antonio Gates, or I could even say he's just trying to be the best guy in his franchise and by supplanting Tony Gonzalez, you know, 
I, I think those are his targets. I'm with you on that, and I think he's going to stay in the game. And, hey, listen, you ask me how much I keep up with the Kelsey brothers. This is your fault I'm bringing this up. Let me tap the sign of the painting behind me. That is my Aaron Evans original painting of me from my playing days, playing O-line. Yes, you always do the damn QB sneak when you're on the goal line. It works 80-something percent of the time. I may not have a big, luscious beard like uh, like the other Kelsey, but he is spitting facts. Anyways. The Chiefs defense. Wow. Go ahead. Passion. Very oh, passionate. Hey, Antonio Gates is the greatest scoring tight end of all time. The numbers don't lie there. 116 career touchdowns. Gronk's not close. Kelsey's not close right now. Well, it's yet, it'll be, it's yet to be seen if, if he can catch Antonio in that regard. Antonio was a very special player, similar to Kelsey, wasn't a great blocker. But, man, his route roughing, running, his ability to shield defenders away with his body in a basketball-like fashion. If you haven't heard, Antonio Gates played college basketball. Bing! I just want to fit in, brother. I'm just trying. But if anybody who's listening has doubts about Travis Kelsey, put those to bed with your kids at the end of the night and don't reawaken them until they give you a reason to be there. I'm mad. I Not like bad, it. Eh? I like it a lot, dude. Um, you know, here's the other thing I'm going to give props to with uh, Andy Reid and 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 being there in Arizona. First of all, being there in Arizona, making a joke to, uh, when I asked uh, uh, Patrick Levon Mahomes a question um, at the podium, making a joke with him and him seeing him battle Max Crosby in this series blew my mind. A B talking to guys who are respective fifth and seventh round picks that got starting time to make this defense good enough to still be a dang Super Bowl winning caliber group is beyond measure to me. I mean, I, I, I wrote an article about them during Super Bowl week for the three point conversion featuring those guys. Bing! So I, with all that in mind, we hear about offensive and defensive gurus yet on Andy Reid's watch, the Chiefs seem to just kind of make defense happen I, I feel like that's something that they're going to have to do this year to find success too as well with these schedules yeah well absolutely and and so the most underrated player in the nfl to me is chris jones and right mm. now he's not happy with his contract you've got Fur furious george Karloftis on one side the first nice. round pick felix anudike uzama he can get after the quarterback out of kansas state you know they have nick bolton in the middle who Speaking of Fred Warner and Eric Kendricks, um, Nick Bolton can ball. He's a mm -hmm. phenomenal leader for that defense. You know, I'm not real fond of, of their cornerback situation there, but you got Justin Reed at safety still. Um, keep an eye on what's going with going on with that Chris Jones situation, though, because what he does in, in occupying blockers and, and getting sacks from the interior, 15 and a half sacks last year, he's a phenomenal player in incredibly strong for a guy that size he should not be as athletic as he is but those rules are thrown out the window as far as he's concerned but if he's not on the field for that defense Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are gonna have to scheme up a lot more ways to score and score more often if they don't have Chris Jones in the middle you know holding things down for that Kansas City D uh, that, no, that's a great point in its entirety. You know, you'll have to conjure up more fifth and seventh round starters to overcome yeah. depth and things like that, you know, and that's not an easy thing to do. I, I'm with all of that. Um, all right. We, we've had it. We spent enough time standing your rivals. 
What do you have them for the rookie uh, for the record this year? Oh, well, let's see. They were 14 and three last year. I think they're going to come back down to earth and go 13 and four this year. <laughs> I just, they're the Kansas city chiefs. And right now, you know, it's not a mistake that they've, you know, two, two of the last three Super Bowls. I mean, come on, the guys, they're just ridiculous. I'm pretty sure that Patrick LeVon, whatever the other middle name is, Mahomes is, is, going to make people like you and me look good on a football field. I'm sure they could, Andy Reid could scheme us open. I just, until you knock down the King, they, they're going to remain up there uh, on the throne. I see 13 and four and a first round buy as the number one seed uh, there in the AFC. The proof of your great mind comes through again, Booger Peters. I have 13 and four myself, five and one. I do believe they split with Herbert this year um three and one against the afc west i'm not sure if it's going to be miami or the bills um yes i'm specifically leaving out those other two teams um four and oh against the nfc north don't waste my time um i think they beat the jags um even though it's going to be a wonderful shootout if everyone's healthy it should be Uh, yeah i think the eagles get the revenge game on the schedule and listen Bengals Chiefs can go either way any damn time they play. Um, I have them losing that or I have them winning that one, but you never know, man. I, I'm not even confident with that. And the only thing that will make them fall down to earth in my mind is the outside chance that Joey bah, will do his thing um, one more time to get revenge for the one time that he lost to Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second, the one time when it mattered there. So anyways, man. That was a good time, Booga Peters. Tell the people where you can be found, my guy. You can find me on all social media at Booga Peters, B-O-O-G-A-P-E-T-E-R-S. We're cooking up a lot of good things here and uh, working on getting myself back into the rotation. I have no scheduled surgeries for anybody who's kept track over the last 24 months. I've got double-digit surgeries, you know, trying to put uh, Peter the Pumpkin Eater back together again. It's been... uh, it's been quite the task, but we're all forging ahead with all the strength and chutzpah we've always had. I do want to say for all the Bolt fam members out there, the key word is banana hammock. And that is for a giveaway that I'll be doing. And it is also the answer to the quiz question that what does Booga Peters always take to the beach in case his kids start acting up? And that's the banana hammock. If my kids are acting up, I'm going to embarrass the you-know-who out of them. I'll throw on the banana hammock and, and and let the glory fly, if you will. Hey, man, listen, at the end of the day, if I'm having a keyword after that, that's sadistic parenting. Woo, that looks real cool. You're about to learn today. All right, bud. I mean, I'm not mad at the technique. I'm not mad that you came in. And, hey, listen, there's no cheating. You are not just Peter the Pumpkin Eater here. You are the great Booga Peters, my Chargers guy here on the student of the game and honor joy and privilege that having you aboard and listen the only distinction i can come up with to match yours is to go to europe man so we'll get to call him here in just a second but hey thanks for coming aboard brother appreciate you thanks so much for having me buddy see you hey, look, looking forward to the next one brother so yeah booga peters man that was awesome absolutely explosive time here having him aboard that was absolutely great his keywords banana hammock if you're getting into the the giveaway 
Words I didn't think I'd utter tonight, but here we are. Hey, listen, people probably didn't expect me to have a guest all the way in from Ireland to talk about the Denver Broncos there, too. Here we are. My guy, Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show starts now. It's that time we're going to be in the back half of the show here with this and, and the unique opportunity to get somebody from across the pond to talk some football is always a good one. So when it came up Broncos, I had to come with it. I don't know if this is your second or third time being on the show there, Colm, but you're here once again. Thanks for coming aboard. Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show, man. Good to see you. Always good to, to chat with you, Kyle. And look, I think the accent is improving somewhat. So maybe the through the process of osmosis, uh, and us hanging out together, you know, you are you're getting there. Oh well, you know, I I have listened, I have listened to you and your crew on the Irish NFL show uh, more, and and it's starting to be a thing that I do. You know, I, I mean, listen, I fancy myself that can do the occasional voice and accent from the hip. If you've seen any of my episodes on hilarity by default of required viewing, bing, you'll see that I could just I could randomly break out into Adel. You don't even know. Anyways. I have no idea why that happened, but it happened. Anyways, West Coast, it's a thing. AMC West is what we're doing. So Los Angeles is in there somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, more than once, apparently. I don't know. Anyways, um, I know that's the NFC West. Just, just stick with me. We, we got to talk about LA. That's where we met. Anyway, so yeah, listen, obviously, we'll get into it. The big scuttlebutt that obviously leads with your team. No question. You and I have had conversations about Russell Carrington Wilson many times on this show, outside of this show, over beer, whatever. But um, what what's the dynamic that changes with Sean Payton in the room? Because I will quote Andy Reid in Phoenix last year, first day of Super Bowl week with the fan experience. The league is better when Sean Payton is quoting or excuse me, quoting. Let me try that again. The league is better when Sean Payton is coaching. And that is a direct quote from one Andy Reid. What say you about what you've seen from Sean Payton in his activity so far? I, well, it's a world of difference from last year. I think that is the first <laughs> thing to note. It, yeah. Infinitely, infinitely better and infinitely different. Okay. So the first thing that you'll notice is Sean Payton said he wanted the team to work quietly. And that is very different from last year and uh, indeed from the previous couple of years. There had there's been overcompensation from the Broncos, I feel. And partly that was because there was no owner. It was a bit of a vacuum. And the team was, wasn't just bad, Kyle. We were boring, which is the worst of all worlds when you're boring. And so the players, I think, felt the need to, to fill that um, kind of vacuum that existed. Very different now. You, you've got the richest owners in the league in, in situ. And you have a Super Bowl winning head coach. So he said he wanted it to be quiet. And for the most part, it has been. I know Russ couldn't work entirely quietly, but he only <laughs> did one video, which was him working out, which was different to last year when he went on his tour of Europe and behaved, um, you know, almost like royalty, one would, would have to say as he swanned around Europe. This time we got to see Russ working out. Uh, last year, 
could not have gone worse. And I think Rossi alienated himself from his teammates with everything he did, from his own office, from he, the way he conducted himself. I mean, think about when they came to play the Jags in London, right? And he lands. And imagine you're one of his teammates. And he gets in front of the mic and he says, oh, yeah, I was working out in the plane. I was doing high knees. Everyone else was sleeping. I mean, how is that going, going to make you, you feel? And from what I've heard from talking to um, people who, who cover the, the, the Broncos uh, throughout the, the year is the divide between the offense and the defense really grew. And there were players who were began to play uh, future, who Russell Wilson has no great love for, given the history that his wife has with that particular artist. And they played it to antagonize Russ uh, towards the back end of the, the season. So I, I do think Sean Payton set a marker down very early. If you go back to that, initial press conference and he got asked about the office and he said oh that that won't be happening when i'm here right. and i i did a meme uh, of, of sean payton at that time that said i'm not bossy i'm the boss and i do think that's what it's going to be he is the boss and if this is a huge year for russell wilson and i think a huge year for the league because russ is part of a trio of quarterbacks who went for huge trades. You have Russ, you have Deshaun Watson, and you have Aaron Rodgers. And I say, Kyle, that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady broke many people's hearts over the years, but they broke brains because both of those guys went to new teams, won Super Bowls, and people said, that's it. You can be, you can get a, a quarterback and you can go and win a Super Bowl. Neither Thomas, Edward, Patrick, Brady, nor Peyton Manning had any, they, they weren't traded. They were free agents. You got to keep everything, build around them, and put the rookie contracts around them. That is not the case with Russ. That's not the case with Watson. That's not the case with Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, it didn't work out so well for the Broncos or Browns this year. I think this is a referendum. If this doesn't work out this season uh, for at least two of the three, I think you might well get uh, teams around the league saying, hey, these mega trades for quarterbacks, yeah, we might need to be even more reticent on, on those. First of all, brilliant. Soft TH by you on that. That was well done. Um, second, you, you know, you make a lot of great points, but for clarity, that's Peyton Williams Manning, just so you're aware. But, um, yeah, no, that's a great point to be made, and I would see that and raise you this, sir. In the case of both Thomas Edward Patrick Bieber Brady and Peyton Williams Manning, they had ready-made Super Bowl rosters. The only reason the Bucks had missed the playoffs previously is because Jameis Winston went full crab legs and threw the ball to the other team entirely too many times. Listen, one can only think he would have broken a passing record is if the balls that he threw the other team were part of the stats. Holy crap, he'd have like 6,000 yards, right? But I say all that to say this. That's Sorry, that's my quick... Uh, rant on on the whole situation with the bucks now unfortunately that was you know shouts to bruce arians who suddenly is is a pariah a anyways uh it, 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 and then then byron left which too and i i, I don't want to get into that punchlines this you know you made uh, some great points with that part of it and oh by the way 
<laughs> I know that Deshaun Watson technically was was a guy who was traded and moved as such, but that's such an anomaly. It, it was almost it's almost punitive for the Browns what they paid for him and what's happening there. We'll get into more with that. I'm, I'm going to have my guy Lamont Brodus in at some point here to talk about that. La Brodus will have plenty to talk about that whole situation, I'm sure. Um, and then also with Aaron Rodgers, he's got some guys. He doesn't have Demarius Thomas. Um, who's on the other side? Emmanuel Sanders, right? Excellent running game. An offensive line that was awesome. And oh, by the way, that guy with the glasses, he was I, you know, <laughs> Von Miller, of course, defensively. Um, but yeah, all of that going was a Super Bowl roster going in. And and, and oh, yeah, that there's just so much of that. That's a great point there, too. I like that you mentioned um, he was not only bad, but boring as well. Uh, I have to I have to show props to that because the other day I was just talking to Matt Rochelle uh, in the college football preview episode of the Orlando Sentinel here on the student of the game. Bing! And we mentioned that Coach Prime needs to be careful not to be bad and boring, just like what happened there, too. Uh, for all the videos that were made, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure whenever Russ is around a mic, instead, he says, let's ride instead of, you know, the whole, you know. A little quieter anyway, he can get it. I get it. Um, no, I, I really think Sean Payton's impact, I knew it was going to be big. I didn't expect it to be quite this big. I, I remember how things were kind of, you know, you you never really heard a lot of issues in New Orleans, you know, especially considering New Orleans as an entity is what it is. It's not South Beach, but there's a fun time there, Colin. Trust me, I have I have in-laws there. I'm going to be there next week. I, I don't party like that anymore because I'm getting too old for that ish. But the punchline is, I get it. And if you can keep that under control, if you're there in the Mile High City, I mean, the biggest problem you have is, you know, might be some extracurricular, uh, how you say, lettuce, so to speak, which ironically is referred to as chiefing. I'm sure they don't use that term in Denver, but that's a whole other uh, question. But um, let me take it to this. So I, I know their draft was relatively limited due to the fact that they only had so many picks. Oh, I, I got a big look from Colin Cronin on that one. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think with what they had, I, I liked kind of the way they focused it as best they could. But do they still have enough defense in your mind to do the job uh, in the coming season to balance? I, I don't expect Russell Carrington Wilson to carry the same weight that he did in his earlier Seahawk career. But when he does make a mistake, he'll have some padding, right? Um, it's going to be very interesting for a number of reasons. The Broncos had one of the best young defensive minds in the game in Ejivo Evero, and they have lost him to the Panthers. You have to be very impressed by the staff Frank Reich has put together there. Certainly on paper, it looks a great staff. The Broncos have brought back Lance Joseph. I'm I'm just not a Vance Joseph believer. Uh, he doesn't do top ten defenses. He's had some okay defenses, but you go through his time in Miami, you go through his time in Denver, you go through his time with the Cardinals, and it's it's so up and down, and it's it's never top tier. It's okay. It's good but it's never, ever great, and it never has been great. And that would be a concern. There, There is the other factors, right, in that, you know, yes, 
um, we're, just to, to hark back, yes, Peyton and Tom walked into fantastic rosters, but think about what the Bucks were able to do. They drafted Tristan Wirfs. The kid, yep. It has looked like an all-pro since day one. I mean, I, like, I, I think he's underrated. I saw this 98th on the top 100 players. I was like, that's because he was so good from day one. He's actually underrated. We just we, we take him for granted. But they also drafted Anton Winfield Jr., who has been excellent, excellent since he came in. And um, the Broncos in Peyton Manning's first year drafted Derek Wolf, who was a key component of Super Bowl winning defense. They drafted mm -hmm. Danny Trevathan. They drafted um, Malik Jackson. So that was huge in terms of what they were able to do. I have concerns around particularly the D-line and the Broncos just lost um, and another player. So technically the, the Broncos gave up everything for, for Russ um, because our second year D-lineman uh, is suspended indefinitely, which probably means a year. He can reapply next year and I, I'm sure if he shows contrition. Um, but it does mean that there, there are issues uh, on that D-line. Um, Draymond Jones left and, and they brought in Allen from the cards. I thought Draymond is a great player. He didn't seem very happy with how things played out ultimately in, in Denver. I think he's a big loss. And I think on the edge, Kyle, you have some talent, but the issue is Randy Gregory has never completed a full season in the NFL. Right. Be that injury, be that suspension. Baron Browning is talented, but Baron Browning begins the season on the pop. And Nick Benito came in, was really highly regarded. I remember PFF raving about Nick Benito, but last year he didn't look like he had the power. Now, look, it's a first year. You can learn a lot in, in the first year. Hopefully he learned from, from that and he'll come in. But I, I would have some concerns. There are some great pieces there. Pat Sertan is to me, the premier corner in uh, the NFL. And that's that's with sauce in the mix. I think he is absolutely ridiculous in, in what he, he does. I think Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in the game and a, and a great leader on and off the field. Um, Alex Singleton is, is a tackling machine. Um, but you, you worry about the ability to the depth when one of the interesting things i think that we're seeing in in the league is um there, there's such a focus on quarterbacks and, and such a focus on star wide receivers or star pass rushers we forget how important depth is so when you consider look at the chiefs last year and the eagles right running running back by committee that's what both of them did and right. the eagles on, on the d-line was depth Broncos do not have that. And that is going to be one of the, the key issues. What A reason for that is the Broncos have had injury issues, not just last year where they were amongst the most uh, injured. It's interesting to me, right? We have all these ra rankings for QBs and depending on they're rated by QBR or, or different things, there's also for injuries. So the Broncos were like either the 30th, 31st, or 32nd most injured team in the, in the oh, league last year. What is it? Bottom 30, we'll say, right? <laughs> Bottom, yeah. Um, 
But right back to 2019, there's quotes from Shelby Harris saying he'd never been in a situation where he'd seen so many players injured. In 2020, the COVID year, injuries down by 23% across the league. Not in Denver, though. Injuries were up. Denver were the outlier. Same in 2021. And last year, certainly top three, perhaps the most injured team in, in the league. So they have made changes uh, to the uh, strength and conditioning staff. But that is something to, to keep an eye on because that has obviously been a recurring issue in Denver. And, and one could only imagine how much, you know, how much of that is environmental, too. I mean, I know correlation is not causation, but the uh, atmosphere and altitude have its impact uh, on, on players as well. I, I mean, you know, for the longest time when um, when uh, Clark, Ryan Clark went there um, as a member of the Steelers, he would have to sit that game out because based on one time where he had to have a hospital stay on what happened to his organs, you know, when he played up there, dude, I think, I don't know, I don't think it was sickle cell, but it was some some sort of genetic disease in his blood that 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 really messed all that up. So I say all of that to say, there is correlation to cause all that, you know, to, to take place. But again, correlation, not causation. And I like the move to change the staff to try to, maybe they got a different approach that can account for that. Um, most certainly. Um, and by the way, one thing you want to hear when your defense is thin is on the other side, you're going to be facing Patrick Levon Mahomes, the second twice. And also Justin Herbert, who now granted, if anything's to be believed about that coaching staff there in Los Angeles, they'll throw the ball to you plenty anyway, especially when you have Patrick Sertan. And by the way, if you're not Sauce Gardner, you could still be amazing. It's okay. You know, I'm going to throw that out there. But, um, you know, I, I, I can see why there's a lot of reason for concern. And trust me, as somebody who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars, as I do um, here as a student of the game for both A7B and sports and the three-point conversion, bing! I can tell you what it is to see the defensive line get neglected. We're seeing it in Jacksonville, too. We'll talk more about that on August 30th, I can tell you that. But with all of the above in mind, we talk plenty of turkey. I, 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 we're going to take it here, Colm. I need to know how you feel about uh, the, the rec your record prediction and the schedule and all that. Where do you come out for the Denver Broncos? So... I, I suppose a couple of things stand out. I, I think the ceiling for this team is 11 wins, right? If they don't have any injuries and Sean Payton uh, is able to get the best out of Russ, you have some very nice pieces there on offense. You have Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you have Tim Patrick, you have Greg Dulcich. Uh, you, you have Javante Williams coming back. You have the additions on the O-line. And you have, as we talked about, those pieces on defense. And they have added Frank Clark. Um, though I feel Frank is a bit like, you know, Von Miller and others. You really want to be in the playoffs. And that's where he comes alive. But without any injuries, I think that's best case scenario. I think worst case, I think floor is probably seven wins because of the, the Sean Payton factor. But to me, I think realistically, Kyle, I, I look at it and... On Wednesday mornings, I get out of bed and I say, this is a 9-8 and eight team. And on Thursday mornings, I get out of bed, I say, this is an 8-9 and nine team. I, I, I'm caught between the two. I, I, I would love the Broncos to have a, a winning season uh, because it has been so long. I would really love the Broncos to make the, the playoffs because this is the team with the second longest playoff drought in the league. Um, but ultimately, I, I have 
concerns and this is probably born born out of the um the past few seasons right the hype that has existed around the front every single year they they did something and the talk was okay we fixed it we made changes it's going to be this year and every year they have fallen flat i don't think they will fall flat in the same way this year um but you are in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, that has Justin Herbert. You're in a conference um, that is absolutely stacked. And you have a, a schedule that, you know, opens up with some nice games. You know, you're looking at the, the Raiders and, and the Commanders uh, to open the season. Th those feel very winnable. But then you got to travel to Miami. Going to Miami in September when they put you on that sideline and we know how that works and we've all seen the, the temperature dial. I mean, hey, you, you got to make the most of it. Denver make the most of the playing at, at mile high. But then there is an absolutely brutal stretch of games um, where you you got the go up against the, the Jets and we'll see what that will mean. You got the, you know, against Hackett and Rodgers. But then after that, you've got the Chiefs, the Packers, the Chiefs again, the Bills. I mean, that is an absolutely brutal stretch of games that you have essentially in October into uh, mid-November. And that, that I think, is ultimately where we will see the, the Sean Payton impact because he's got a couple of games to kind of really get things going. Um, then he's kind of got to mix and match them, and then he's got the brutal stretch. If they were to emerge from that, with a one of the big turning points, I think this year, Kyle will be can they get a victory against the Chiefs? They haven't beaten the Chiefs since the Super Bowl 50 season, since 2015. Oh and that, that is something that really is an issue uh, amongst Broncos fans. If he was to do that, I think that would be considered an enormous building block. But ultimately, oh yeah, it, what I what I am intrigued by is. What happens if the Broncos win nine games? What happens with Russell Wilson at, at that point? Do they decide to continue to, to pay him the extraordinary money that he is on? Because he's been paid as if he was a top five quarterback, essentially. Last year, he, play, he played like a bottom five quarterback. I think he will improve, right? Because ultimately, that is akin to being you know, winning a taller than Danny DeVito contest. The question is, how much does he improve? Does he improve enough to become a top ten quarterback? And I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he will, unfortunately. Which leaves the Broncos with a huge dilemma uh, that they will have to fix. I caveat all of this, but I hope I am wrong. I would love to see the Russ Redemption Tour and for me to be coming on uh, chatting to you in January and for there to be, you know, playoff football in the Mile High City. That would be magnificent. But while I am a fan and I care deeply and when the Broncos lose, it hurts me. And let me tell you, it hurts a hell of a lot when you're and you stay up to watch the games. I'm not a homer. I'm not delusional. I don't think that's not how I approach it. So I'm not going to put um, the orange tinted glasses on it and pretend um, something is different from what I truly believe.
No, hey, listen, this is why you're a good analyst. This is why I have you on the show, buddy. And listen, as excited as I was able to witness you personally uh, to meet Patrick Sertan, uh, the younger there, I, I could totally see where you're coming from here, too. Matter of fact, what I find interesting is I think I have just a wee bit more optimism than you in one particular fact. I believe Nathaniel Hackett is in big damn trouble. I think those guys are going to be pissed about the fact that he's still even working in the NFL, and we all know he's only doing that because Aaron Charles Rodgers is still in the damn league, and the Jets capitulated to him the way that they did. I really think that's going to be a victory, and it's on the strength of that, Colin Cronin, that I have a 9-8 and eight for your orange and blue crew there. 11 wins. Okay, buddy, listen, we, we talked about marijuana in the mile high. We, 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 we ain't looking for 11 wins, but I think nine's very reasonable. I'm not meeting the straddle defense on this. This is just what I see. The bad news is, listen, I believe, unfortunately, that Patrick LeVon Mahomes II will still be undefeated against your team at the end of the regular season. But okay, and guess what? You could still be a great corner if you aren't Sauce Gardner. We've had this conversation. Um, that being said, if my theory holds true that I talked about leading up to this with the Chiefs, Chiefs, if Travis Kelsey starts to exhibit old man behaviors, which is to say he starts getting injured a little bit, which dude is the oldest active receiving threat of any great prowess in the league. Nobody else is carrying. I think it's going to be 30. He's currently 33. I'm not sure when he turns 34, but it's on the board column is what I'm saying. Okay. If that happens, and the and the Broncos get a shot during that time, that's a separate conversation. But we are looking for planets to align with that, and I'm not there. Which, by the way, as much as everybody wants to gripe about the running back salary, why are we not having more of the conversation about one Travis Michael Kelsey? Now, mostly, granted, it's because he doesn't want to take more money. He's had that conversation on his podcast with his brother, a place where O-linemen and tight ends alike get respect. This is why, anyways, I'm, I'm off on a, it's, I mean, I don't want to say Bing, but I feel like I'm advertising them, but I feel like it's the moral and ethical thing to do. Sorry. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I have nine and eight with all that in mind, and I'm going to chalk it up to what it comes down to. The pivotal game for me is what I'm going to deem. Uh, it's not Hackett's revenge, but it's revenge to return of the return of the Broncos. I don't know. I'm trying to, if Hackett were to win, it would be Hackett's revenge. Maybe it's Hackett's fall. I don't know what we call it. Jets falling is always, yeah, see, that analogy works. Let's go with that. I don't know. I don't know if you have a response to that, but but uh, I don't know. Do you think they'll be motivated to crush Hackett as I'm talking about? Oh, I, I, I think they, they definitely will because there there was a lot of, you know, ill feeling. And you saw the response even after Hackett left at the end of, of last year, things improved. Now, it wasn't all Hackett's fault. And again, if you look at the comments that, Jibo Evero made, you know, during his interview and during that process, he, he made it very clear that Nathaniel Hagel wasn't the only person to, to blame. Um, but I do think that will be, um, you know, very, uh, very interesting to, to see. I do think they will be motivated for it. I think it's going to be fascinating for the, the Jets. I mean, I talked about the Broncos having a brutal stretch. The Jets... I mean, they you you open with the the Bills. You got to go to Jerry's world. Then you got the the Patriots and the fact that Bill. I mean, however motivated we're talking about the Broncos, Bill Belichick hates hates the Jets. We know we know that. Then you got the Chiefs, and then you got the the Broncos. I mean, my goodness me, 
that is a brutal opening and it is going to be a baptism of fire and we saw Russ last year was all in the spotlight. Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the spotlight. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, always has been. Um, but you're now in a new team, new situation. You're going to have to hit the ground running because the uh, the lights are bright in New York City. Yeah, to say the least. No, I, I, and, and we'll be talking more about uh, uh, the AFC East um, when that episode comes up, actually on my birthday, there you go, August sixteenth. So, um, with that in mind, yeah, there, there'll be a lot of that too. I do respect the early birthday gift of that analysis. I can't agree more. Um, but I think the one thing mentioning the AFC East, the reason why I'm marking, the big reason I'm marking the Dolphins game as a loss is because at that point I'm still assuming that Tua will still be healthy too. So there's all that. Um, you know, to your point, you mentioned this team. Uh, in the Broncos being very hard to analyze. And this is what happens when you have the simultaneous uh, adjustment of both team culture in Peyton coming in and, and basically wrecking life as, as they knew it then, um, as well as uh, all the injuries you mentioned. Say what you will about Russell Carrington Wilson and maybe Hackett wasn't the only problem. Cool. But what I do know is, A, Russell Carrington Wilson should have had the opportunity to have a comeback against his old team like he did to the rest of the NFL, and that's on hack, and I don't care who you are, hashtag bitter Niners fan. Second, uh, I think the cultural changes, too, will account for any of the other problems that Russell Carrington Wilson was, was bringing to the table. And, and I think even, say what you will about Rusty, I think he is aware that the repair to his image is necessary, not only out to the public, but within the locker room. And so following Sean Payton's lead will help him achieve that necessary reparation, if you will. I don't know. That's that's kind of where I live with that. Now, it's a good point. It's fair to mention that Hackett wasn't the only problem. He was just most of it. And, see, that was that was editorial by me. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I uh, yeah. I, ooh. Um, anyways, I appreciate you coming in, Cullum. Uh, it's, tell the people where you could be found, my man. Yeah, no, look, always enjoy chatting with you, Kyle. At the Irish NFL show across social media. So whatever platform you are on, we have a podcast that go out pretty much every day. We talk to people uh, in the States. We talk to people in Ireland. We talk to people around Europe. We talk to players, coaches, analysts, uh, fans. And uh, you can just search Irish NFL show and you can find me across social media at column from Cork because Cork is the Texas of Ireland. And we think it is the center of the universe, uh, just like Texans do. Um, we, we have yet to get access to threads, though. Uh, in in Ireland, haven't launched that. So you, you can. I'm I'm still there on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on on Instagram and everywhere else. I think even on LinkedIn, I'm I'm Colin from Cork. So always look. I love chatting to you. I do. I love talking football. I love talking to people from all around uh, the world. So if people are interested, get in touch. Let's uh, let's knock ideas around. Listen, I've watched this dude get chatty from people of with, with people of all nations. And listen, he called it Twitter. That means I don't have to play the DMX clip with X going, give it to you. So there you go. Um, all that in mind and honor, joy and privilege column. Thank you for coming in. And thank you for the great coverage of the Broncos. Of course, 
I'm Kyle Nass, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Check out my Facebook page as the student of the game. Of course, my work and writings for the Black and Gold Banneret covering UCF football, Big 12 sports now, call them UCF football and basketball. And then, of course, my work with the three-point conversion and A7B in sports covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, which by the time you're watching this, hopefully I've made the trip back from camp. So there you go. Uh, that'll be a fun time all the way around. Check that out. Um, honor, joy, and privilege. Thank you to my crew coming aboard here, especially you call them doing it from overseas. Um, but until next time, everyone, class dismissed. Dismissed. <laughs>